Just a heads up before we begin this episode, the Baron of Botox deals with difficult topics, including depression and suicide. It is not recommended for young audiences. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for information on resources for anyone who is suffering from depression or suicidal thoughts. Let's begin the show. Hi, Justine. I'm just going to put my headpiece in. After weeks of playing phone tag, I finally connect with Dr. Brandt's personal art dealer, Paul Frank McCabe, while he's on a post-work hike somewhere above the clouds in the Swiss Alps. Okay, I found you. I'm thrilled. Yeah, you found me. There you are. In the Swiss Alps. Hold on one second. Excuse me if I sound like heavy, excuse me, heavy breathing, but I'm doing a hike. How are you? I'm good. You're hiking in the Swiss Alps as we speak? Absolutely. With a baby on my back. Paul, who lives in Milan but runs his business out of both Switzerland and a family office in Hong Kong, is a hard man to get a hold of. He's often pinging between Milan and Miami, St. Moritz and Zurich, like some art world where's Waldo. He's got a long, thoughtful face, which he frames with dark, thick-rimmed glasses. And he's always impeccably dressed, in a well-tailored suit or slim-cut trousers and an expensive-looking sweater. For over 20 years, Paul helped Fred assemble his impressive and wildly valuable collection of nearly 200 pieces. Dr. Brandt affectionately called him Pinky. His nickname for you was Pinky? <laughs> yeah, there's some people who know me as that. But yeah, he used to tease me. So resemblance to Peter Sellers and then had a few pink shirts and it kind of stuck. The whole Pinky thing started because Dr. Brandt thought Paul resembled Peter Sellers, the English film actor best known for playing the bumbling Chief Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther movies. At his memorial, Paul fondly recalled the time he took Dr. Brandt to dinner with his parents. And Fred said with the big smile on his face, if it isn't red and white. Paul says that even though Dr. Brandt wasn't his biggest client, as in there are people who spend far more money with him, he was his favorite. Paul goes on to say that Dr. Brandt lived vicariously through the artist he adored because he was something of an artist himself. He was able to look at someone objectively and then do what he had to do to, quote, perfect the composition. And his enthusiasm was contagious. Five or six times a week, Fred would call Paul up during his lunch break and ask, so Pinky, what's the scoop? And Paul would give him intel on everything he'd seen at art fairs, touring collections in Paris or Stockholm, taking great care to describe the colors and the contours of each individual piece. And the art, in turn, became his companion. Above Dr. Brandt's bed in Miami was a nine-foot-wide powder blue canvas by the contemporary artist Richie Albenda, featuring the lyrics, You're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. Dr. Brandt was so moved by this ode to desire and unbridled youth that he chose to fall asleep beneath it each night, even without someone to fall asleep next to. Paul says collecting was a passion and a release for Fred. But as most enthusiasts will tell you, you don't get into buying art to get rich. To him, the aesthetic kind of interaction, living with it, being inspired, being, being excited by it was, was more important to him than, than the cash. I would, you know, there were times that I'd bring Fred dramatic offers, you know, things that were bought for 30000 that I could have given just a few years later, $4 million or something. And, you know, the response was, 
and I really love that painting. You know, I need to have that painting. It was more of a scorecard of, oh, okay, I'm doing this okay. Well, then I just want to make money out of it. It was about, you know, creating value, creating, doing something great. Dr. Brandt liked that art could serve as tangible proof of his vision. Proof that he was ahead of other people. Proof that he was able to see things before they could. On many occasions, Dr. Brandt zeroed in on an artist or a piece that others had disregarded or overlooked. There was a Christopher Wool painting, a large-scale graffiti-style spray paint abstraction on aluminum that was as much about the process of creation as it was the final product. Paul remembers people in the art world asking him, why would you buy that? And then it was the thing that when I did the Christopher Wool show in my space in Stockholm, I mean, I must have got a call every day for that painting. And it ended up selling to, I'd say, probably the most, one of the top three collectors in the world for a huge amount of money. I think it was, we paid 120 for it at the time, and I think it sold for 3.8 million. He was quite competitive, and I think so I appreciated people that were dedicated to what they did, and people who were smart and articulate. I think Fred really identified with winners. I don't think he identified with underdogs. From Imperative Entertainment, I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox, Episode 6, Perfection. The country may have been in recession, but the end of the aughts marked a turning point in the field of cosmetic dermatology. According to the New York Times, popular shows like Dr. 90210 and Extreme Makeover, quote, normalized vanity medicine and made cosmetic procedures seem cuddly and carefree. And a variety of doctors, not just dermatologists, were gleefully hopping on the Botox bandwagon. In 2008, the New York Times reported that Botox procedures had seen over a 430% increase between 2001 and 2007. The next year, CNN pointed out that so many OBGYNs had added cosmetic procedures to their list of services that they created the International Society of, say it with me now, Cosmetogynecology. A cross-section of videos currently available on the official ISCG YouTube channel include Designer Nipples for the Kendall Jenner Look and The Panuma Penis Augmentation Has Arrived. With its FDA approval had come a gold rush, and everyone wanted a piece. Batches of black market Botox were being shipped in from China and India. Walk-in bars, where customers could get injected without having to make an appointment, popped up next to Verizon stores and nail salons. Clients started turning up at Dr. Brandt's office on East 34th Street with a drooping eyelid or a frozen forehead. Souvenirs from last night's wine-soaked Botox party. The act of getting injections as part of a rigorous self-care routine was firmly in the zeitgeist. Reality shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians routinely used cosmetic procedures as pulpy plot points, almost as if unwanted side effects were an occupational hazard of being professionally good-looking. The doctor did warn me about side effects from the Botox, but I am feeling like my eyes are on fire. Wait about 15 minutes. Oh, my God. What? I'm a little worried for Kim because it looks like she's having a bad reaction. But I hate to say it, but I told you so. Dr. Brandt didn't see the entertainment value in any of this. Garen says his friend dizzied himself to maintain his reputation as the best of the best. 
His thing was that everyone that left his chair, they had to be happy. And if something went wrong or like a bruising or whatever, he would work his hardest to fix it for them. Like, come in and I'll give you a little laser. Whatever he had to do to make it better. What was happening later on is that he was getting new clients that had gone to other dermatologists and they were wrecked. Their face was unbalanced and there was injections in the wrong place. There was Botox that was putting, you know, in the wrong areas and he would try to redirect it, but it would take a long time and they had to be patient with him because he couldn't do it in one session. It would take time for things to melt away and to regroup it so he could actually see what they looked like. And at the end, we would just sit and he'd say, I am so wiped. And I would just like, what do you mean? He goes, I have this whole group of patients that they went to these, he would call them these party thing, you know, where they would go in for Botox and stuff like that. And they'd be messed up because the injectables or the, the Botox didn't come from the right area. And you get this girl coming from Slovakia or whatever, and she's brilliant, brilliant. And someone, you know, it's cheaper. So... Then they go in and they get messed up. And he would say, I don't know what was in their face. They don't even know. He didn't know. And he said, I was trying to correct it, but I was also trying to fix it. And I was also trying to console the client, patient. And this patient was sent to me by a dermatologist that couldn't fix it. And that weighed on him because he felt so sorry for that patient that he was doing them and he wasn't charging them. And I said, Fred, why aren't you charging them? And he says, I just feel so bad for them because they've been ruined. You know, they're, and I says, yeah, but people are thinking that you got to let them know that you're worth something because you're making this, this transformation again. And he says, I get it. I get it. But I just feel so sorry for them. I understood that hair grows. But you start messing up with your face or your skin or whatever, and it takes a long time to, if it'll ever come back to normal. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The world at large might be comfortable lampooning cosmetic interventions to dismiss them as gross and misguided excess. But Fred had worked too hard to bring injectables out of the shadows and to give his patients a way to look in the mirror and see the best version of themselves to let things unravel. So he became even more regimented. He ate religiously because he knew that he couldn't have the stamina 
like I know, that you have to have the stamina during the course of the day that your mood doesn't swing. Each patient becomes the most important person in your chair at that moment. You're not fragmented. And he had a great way of dealing with that. And he knew his way was yoga, good diet, no drinking, no going out in the evening, going home, getting a massage or writing his paperwork up and then going to bed and getting a good night's sleep. I mean, he was in bed early. We knew we wouldn't text each other after 1030. He wanted perfection. Everything he did was to be perfected. But with ever-increasing access to cosmetic interventions, also came a new heightened aesthetic. The demand for poutier mouths, sharper jawlines, more everything began taking hold. And newcomers to the field were more than happy to give patients what they wanted. The more units injected, the more money collected. Fred would not do what his patient wanted. If he did not believe that her lip needed to be bigger, he would say, you're in the wrong chair. So he commanded that he'd say, I don't know why you think you need more cheekbones, but I don't think you need that. You need this or go see so-and-so to have cosmetic surgery or whatever. If someone came in and said, I want more, it was not going to happen in his chair. It wasn't like you'd go in and you would automatically come out with super lip or automatically come out with huge cheekbones. It just wasn't his style. And that is what I see that the young generation is never going to understand is that each person has their own individual. Something about their face and the way they look is being individual is kind of amazing. It's beautiful. It's the way Angelica Houston used to look and share before all the cosmetic surgery, all those planes on the face and the way their nose was. And there was something interesting about them. Now it's just like a stamp pattern. Everybody kind of has the same lip. And then in Florida, there's another lip going on that curves up on the sides. And But that wasn't Fred's aesthetic. Dr. Tina Alster, a friend of Fred's known as the Laser Queen, considers herself to be part of the conservative and careful old guard. My name is Dr. Tina Alster. I'm a board-certified dermatologist in Washington, D.C. I actually am known in the world of dermatology as the quote-unquote laser queen. Dr. Tina Alster established the Washington Institute of Dermatologic Laser Surgery in 1990 and is a clinical professor of dermatology at Georgetown University. She also wrote the very first textbook on cosmetic laser surgery. Like Fred, Dr. Alster has a larger-than-life persona. Aside from the moniker, something she says has been helpful professionally, she also shirks the convention of what a doctor looks like. Dr. Alster is a clothes horse with an impressive Dior collection and a closet full of designer heels, color-coded, of course. She considers shopping her therapy and gets frustrated at museums, partly because the art isn't for sale. She has watched, with a mix of curiosity and horror, as her field, once considered a subculture of the skin industry, exploded with an influx of amateurs. Certainly in the last 10 years, you see a lot more of that. You have lots of centers, non, uh, we call them fake derm, who aren't people not even physicians, not even in the medical field at all. They may not be nurses, they may not be anything, and yet they're saying that they can do any of these treatments, whether it's with injectables or with lasers or any other devices. But early on, all of us who have been 
doing this the longest have been seeing complications of others. People think that all you have to do is pick up the laser handpiece and treat somebody. People just thought, oh, if you have this needle, you can stick it anywhere in the body that you see a crease or a scar and, and it would be fine. So I think that those of us who've been doing it the longest saw the complications that started rolling through everybody's doors eventually. And, and I think Fred being among the first people who were using these things, he, he probably saw it as well. To mention the fact that those of us even who have been doing it the longest, we still get patients who come in with unrealistic expectations and they are dissatisfied that, oh, just one treatment isn't going to fix everything. We all have patients who have the unrealistic expectations and think that you may not have done the job that they wanted you to do because they weren't listening to you to begin with. So I know that Fred not only was probably treating patients who had not been treated well by others, but also some of his own patients who expressed dissatisfaction, even if it was unrealistic on their part. Dr. Alster says you have to learn how not to absorb a patient's distress, that it's an acquired skill. She also says that D.C. was slower to accept injections as casual. I would say in Washington, it's only been in the last decade. I say that before then, a lot of my patients certainly had transitioned to it, but it wasn't really a household name, at least here in Washington, until the last decade. Uh, and now people automatically will come in and say they want Botox, even if it's not Botox they specifically want or need. They just kind of put all injectables in that Botox category. Her patients include some of the most powerful politicians in Washington, women who are simultaneously told that smart women shouldn't care about vanity, but then are roasted by the press for their pantsuits, their haircuts, or looking their age. Dr. Alster says at least once a week, she finds herself bearing the brunt of what she calls inherited anger, displaced frustration from a patient who got a treatment and ended up with a frozen this or a drooping that. It's ironic, really, because the lower stakes of cosmetic medicine and the fact that there are hardly any true emergencies is why she picked dermatology over a career in cardiothoracic surgery in the first place. I think, though, that's part of, of being in the cosmetic industry as a whole. People are very concerned about how they look, and, and rightly so. They're spending money to make themselves look and therefore feel better. And when their expectations aren't met, there's a certain amount of not only disappointment but downright anger, particularly if there's a side effect or complication for which they were not prepared. They don't have a chance to really let their anger out on that one because they're no longer seeing that doctor anymore. And they take it out on you because you're the one left holding the bag. I think that's one of the most difficult things. I mean, most of us who go into medicine because we want to help other people. When you're doing your best to make somebody better, whether it's cosmetically or medically, and they lash out at you for any number of things, you can't help but take it personally. I know I've been doing this, as I said, for over 30 years, and every week there may be somebody who kind of throws me off. I'm still sensitive myself. I'm, I have better ways to deal with it. I may not break out and start crying or it may not disrupt my sleep the way that it used to, but it still bothers me. And certainly, Fred was a very sensitive person, and I think that it was difficult for him to deal with difficult personalities because he was sensitive. And I'm sure that if there were things that were brought to his attention, somebody's taking something out on him, he would take that very, very personally. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. As much as Fred Brandt may have wanted to return to the early days of Botox, when it was still a dark art and each face was a canvas to be perfected, a new era of beauty had dawned. And this era worshipped many gods. This era wasn't afraid to kill its starlings. I think Brandt was certainly the start of alternatives to surgery that other people took up with. But I think in that way, he was really creative, saw that there was a need for less radical ways of rejuvenation. Whether or not he went awry is another question. That's Daphne Merkin again, the essayist and author who met Dr. Brandt while writing about him for The New York Times. She saw the way the work and his relentless experimentation on himself had taken its toll the cracks were beginning to show. I remember he came to a party that a friend gave to me. It wasn't a book. It was about some cover article, I think, about depression. He came, and that was about 10 years ago, in this see-through, undoubtedly couture raincoat made of vinyl, but it looked strange. I hadn't seen him for a while, and I almost didn't recognize him. That says a lot about what he did to himself. And I remember once the other side of him, or maybe it's the same side, I went with him to some year's Allure Awards, and he didn't get a, an award that year. And he actually cried on the phone to me, when sitting next to me, he cried. I felt so sad. He was at that point at the pinnacle of his profession. He must have been mentioned in the lure every other second. I guess I thought there was always a slight danger to... I certainly thought it as the years passed, and I didn't go to him later on. I think women who asked for that, he acceded to the request, whether or not it was beneficial or behooved them to have so much filler. I think eventually his notion of filling the face and raising it became a little bit, to me at least, from what I saw, without enough assessment of the result. I don't know if by the end he almost merged with these women. Garen urged his friend to hit pause, to take a vacation and enjoy the fruits of his labors. But nothing, not even being diagnosed with prostate cancer, could get him to take a step back. Fred Brandt refused to be the underdog. He had a few hiccups during the end, having some surgery, having surprises, his prostate, and like that, which he did not want to take time off. And he was forced to take a week off. But he went to work, all hooked up, acting like nothing was wrong. And I was just like, man, you're, you're really crazy. And he's like, no, I'm not. So when Fred suggested a night on the town shortly after the cancer scare, Garen was surprised. Amused, but surprised. I remember us getting invited to uh, Lady Gaga's perfume launch, and he goes, 
I gotta go. I gotta go tonight. Now we gotta go. And I said, all right, we're going. I said, you come to my house because it's uptown. I said, and because it was Stephen Klein that, you know, it was Gaga and Stephen Klein and all that. Fred, Garen, and his husband Tom had fun dressing for the theme. Black tie, masquerade. He said, it says dress like, I said, all right, you wear your tuxedo jacket. And Tom and I are going to wear black, so we'll all go together. He had his blonde hair, and Tom bought the masks. And then Tom comes home with these wigs that were just like Andy Warhol wigs. So I blew his hair out to look like Andy Warhol. And then we put our wigs on, and we went, the three of us, in wigs. He didn't, but we did. And... I said, we are insane. What are we doing? And Fred goes, this is going to be fun. The revelry didn't last long. The next day's schedule and an impending 8 a.m. client weighed heavily on Fred's mind. He wanted to be someplace, but he knew that it was a short window that he could be out. And all he wanted to do was to meet Lady Gaga. And we went, you know how long we stayed? We stayed 45 minutes. We circled around. Everyone came up and said hi to everybody. And then we left. Photos from Lady Gaga's black tie masquerade ran on the New York Times' website the next day. Mark Jacobs, Yoko Ono, and Paris Hilton were all in attendance. The second-to-last image in the gallery is of Dr. Brandt. In it, Garen and his husband Tom can be seen with black masks and spiky blonde wigs. They look like Dr. Seuss's Things 1 and 2. Dr. Brandt is standing to the side, wearing a Dior jacket, Lanvin suit pants, and a beatific expression. His blonde hair nearly skims his shoulders. A reporter asked why he had his mask in his pocket. That way, Brandt answered, I can take it on or off. The Baron of Botox is a production of Imperative Entertainment. It was created, written, and reported by me, Justine Harmon. Executive producer is Jason Hoke. Produced and engineered by Shane Freeman, with additional editing from Jasmine Cross and Jason Hope. Original music by Brandon Bush. Barbara Keene is our researcher and fact checker. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. If you like the show, tell your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The Baron of Botox is a 10-episode series with new episodes available every Tuesday. Have questions? Email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. If you or someone you know is struggling from depression, find local support and more resources by visiting NAMI, N-A-M-I.org. If you are having suicidal thoughts, you can reach a trained crisis counselor by calling the toll-free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK or texting NAMI, N-A-M-I, to 741-741. You are not alone. Thank you for listening. Cosmetogynecology. 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 Fuck. I feel like I'm not quite nailing it. Penuma, penile implant for men. There's an <laughs> a vice headline. There's an implant to make penises thicker. That could also go as a credit. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.